Have you ever noticed, have you ever noticed how some moments are bigger than others? Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed how some moments are bigger than others? A couple of years ago, I was on staff uh, at a different church up in Orange County, and while I was there, it, it was, it's, in a, it's in a wealthy area, it kind of butts up against this area called Newport Coast, and uh, uh, it, was a, it was an honor to serve there, but I didn't, I didn't live in that area because being a pastor doesn't really uh, connect with living in wealthy areas, not sure if you're aware of that, but I didn't live there, uh, but I got to serve there, and, and there was a, a coffee shop that was just up the hill from the church that I didn't visit a lot because I would often do work uh, around where I lived. Well, one day, I needed to go and do some work near the church, and so I made my way up, to, up the hill and to this local coffee shop. While I was at this coffee shop, you know, probably doing something very spiritual, I'm sure, right? Doing something spiritual while I was sitting there doing some work, I noticed out of the corner of my eye this tall, handsome, dark-looking gentleman walked in. And I noticed that there was a little bit of a commotion in the coffee shop. And so I didn't immediately look up, but I just knew somebody cool had just entered the building. And so I, I, I began to look up, and lo and behold, who walks in the door? None other than Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant makes his way into that coffee shop looking all cool as cool can be. I think he had sunglasses on indoors, which is always cool, right? And he's making his way to the register, and I thought, and I have to pause for a moment. I got to give a little bit of insight into my life. There are very few people that I get giddy about other than professional athletes. That, that They're like the only people that I can really recognize from a crowd, and I kind of get like seven years old again, right? Like, oh my Lord, like, you know, be cool. And I thought, this is my moment. This is my moment that I, I was going to, I had to document this moment, right? I, I had to engage him somehow. It's Kobe Bryant. I, I had to talk to him. I had to engage him. I had to get a hug, something, right? Touch him. Can I just touch the hem of your t-shirt, sir, right? Something. And so I, I was gearing up to do this, and I don't know how you operate when there's like moments like that, but in my mind, I, I, my mind started to race of how I could do it and do it in a way where like a, you know, a 30-something-year-old dude didn't like, look like creepy and weird, and, but I still wanted to get this picture of him. And as I was beginning to move out, there was a mom that went and approached him and asked if she could get a photo with her, with her son. Her son was there, and, and, and Kobe Bryant was all happy to do it. He took off the sunglasses and posed, and I thought, great. He's going to be happy for me to ask him too, right? And as I was moving in that direction, there was this middle-aged dude that, like, cut me off and slid in there, and he asked Kobe for a picture, and Kobe put the sunglasses back on his face, and his body language just shouted, no photos, please, right? And so he got a selfie. The dude still put, took a little selfie. But I just thought, I got to do something. It's, a, it's my moment. How many times is Kobe Bryant like this close to you? I have to do something. And so I did. I took a chance. I had my moment. And I got my photo. And here it is. Me and Kobe. <laughs> Me and Kobe. You see, I had, I had my moment. It was my moment, but I missed it. 
I missed my moment. Have you ever, have you ever reflected on a missed moment before? Have you ever, ever reflected on, on, on a missed moment? Uh, you know, those that are married or, or you want to be married, uh, do you remember you know, the man or the woman of your dreams walks into the door and, and you've got to start to think immediately, like, how am I going to engage this person? Or an engagement, those that have gotten married, you know that moment, the engagement moment. Or, or students in the room, right? You've got, you've got big things like SATs and ACTs. These are like big moments in your life. Or, or parents, any parents in the room? We got some parents in the room, right? Anytime the baby does anything for the first time, right? Like, like anything, you're like, oh my Lord, the baby blinked. Oh my gosh, so good, right? But any, any empty nesters in the room, right? You've already, you've already kicked them out. So we love the first day of school and then the empty nesters were like, we love the first day of freedom, right? We kick them out. But have you ever reflected on these big moments? The truth is, is that some some moments carry more significance than others. Some of the moments in our lives that carry more significance than others. And there's times where we've, ha- we've made our moment and there's times where we've, we've missed our moment. But here's the other reality too, is that the same is true when it comes to the things of God. That there are moments in our, in our lives of faith, there are moments as we're, as we're following God, there's these moments where we are either more open to what God might want to do in our life, or, or we're, we're more open, we're more, maybe these things are going good in our life or not going good. There's these seasons where we're more open. I would argue that seasons like you're in right now are, are one of these moments where you're more open. Easter is this time where we're, we're open. This idea of the resurrection is intriguing, is it not? On a macro level, it's very intriguing because if, if Jesus if that is all true, and Jesus got out of the grave, then, then that has big implications for my life. But also on a, on a micro level, it's very intriguing as well. Because we ask this question, can God bring new life to certain areas that seem dead? You see, this is a season, this is a moment that you're in, but my question is, are you ready? Are you ready to receive the moment? Are you ready for when that door opens in to grab your moment. And that's what we're going to jump into this morning. So if you got your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. I'll give a bit of context before we put it up for you, but be moving in that direction. There's Bibles near your seat, or you can grab it on your phone, whatever, however you get a copy of the scriptures. I want to encourage you to do that this morning as we look at God's word together. So before we jump into that, we're going to be in Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 7. So Today is Palm Sunday. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, today's Palm Sunday. Let him know. Today is Palm Sunday, right? Palm Sunday represented this, this historic moment in Jesus' life. It was a big deal. It, and what it represented was that Jesus was on his way. So if you're unfamiliar with it, Jesus really spent a lot of his time outside of the city of Jerusalem. But when it came time for uh, Passover, is what we're going to understand and learn a little bit more about, Jesus made his way into Jerusalem, and the scripture historical narrative tells us that this was the triumphal entry, that, that Jesus was heading to Jerusalem. Now, everybody that was watching this happen all thought that Jesus was going to Jerusalem because he was going to overthrow the Romans. 
and he was going to kick them out, and everybody thought that Israel was going to finally be restored, that, that their team was going to be back into first place, that they were going to be ready to, to roll on everybody. Except Jesus' moment looked a lot different than what everybody had anticipated. Rather than rolling in on, on a tank or in a Hummer, Jesus rolled in on a donkey. And rather than coming right down the middle like a parade, he kind of entered through the side. And although everybody was ready for this, this big moment, Jesus had a different moment planned. And I want to set that with you as we look at the passage, because often the way that Jesus operates in our life, when we're looking at one moment, Jesus is over here preparing another moment for you. And so we've got this. So in verse 7, would you say, I got it? If not, we will have it on the screen just for you. It says this. Then came the day. Say, then came the day. If you've got a Bible or notes, underline that. That's a, that's a big deal. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus said Peter, he sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the, the, the Passover. Now, a lot of us, if you're not a student of the Bible, or, or the, the unleavened bread, this, this celebration that, that was happening was a giant deal, was a big deal. You see, the unleavened bread in the, in the Passover meal marked this moment in Israel's history where they celebrated the Exodus. Say Exodus. Exodus was when God had come in and delivered Israel out of bondage and out of oppression. And so they would go and they would celebrate. They would go and party. Does anybody like the 4th of July? Anybody, that's, that's like one of your days, right? Like 4th of July. I only got like three hands over here. Are we just not patriotic this morning, right? Right? 4th of July. It was like their 4th of July where they would, they would come and they would celebrate this independence moment. But notice, it says, then came the day. Then came the day, meaning that there was this, there was this time, there was this season in which things were, were coming together, and Jesus had this moment. You've got to understand something as Jesus moved into this, this season and this point in history. Is that everything in Jesus' life built to this point. Think about this for a moment. Those that, that know a little bit about Jesus, those that know a lot about Jesus, everything in his life was building to this point. All the prophecies that they spoke about him before he was even born, his, his birth, his life, his time with his family, the time with his discipleship or his disciples, his teaching, his miracles, everything that he did built to this point, and he was ready for his moment. And he was ready for that moment. Has anybody been watching the uh, NCAA tournament in here? Right? I got an amen on that one, right? First one of the day. The NCAA tournament. If, if you're unfamiliar with it, uh, the NCAA tournament, big, big deal's fun. You know, you always got these teams that are, uh, you know, come out of nowhere. And I, I love the tournament because it doesn't matter your record. It doesn't matter if you were undefeated. It doesn't matter if you barely got into the tournament by, by, the, by the skin of your, your chin. It doesn't matter. All that matters is if you're ready for your moment. And there's this team called Loyola Chicago Ramblers. You got to love that. Somebody's saying, I think the pastor's rambling this morning, right? I believe he's on that team. The Loyola Chicago Ramblers. And they're an 11 seed. Nobody even heard of them before this tournament. But guess what? They were ready for the moment. 
all these big programs, it doesn't matter. You have to be ready for your moment. Are you ready for your moment? Are you ready for a moment that God wants to do in your life? In the scripture, in the scripture, there's this idea, not only in the scripture, but also with the ancient Greeks, there was this idea where they would, where they would measure time. The Greeks had this way where they, would, where they would, had two kind of different types of time. The first one was chronos. Say chronos. Chronos. Does anybody have a watch on this morning? Yeah, okay. Good. I can go for about two and a half more hours this morning. You know what I'm saying? No. Chronos measures time. It measures minutes. It measures hours. And the Greeks had that as well. They, they measured things. all, the, But they would personify it. Almost everything that they would, would do was personified. And Chronos was personified as old father time. You ever hear that before? See, anybody ever hear old father time? That was personified like it just kind of choose, 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 choose. But they had another measure of time, and that was called kairos. Say kairos. Kairos. Now, kairos is kind of referenced in the scripture, and kairos is different. Kairos is this, it's, it represents the right time. To your neighbor and say, there's a right time. Turn your other neighbor and say, what are you talking about, right? <laughs> there is a right time. There is an opportune time. And kairos isn't necessarily quantitative, but rather it's qualitative. It, there's these moments that are, that are bigger than others. There's these seasons in our lives that have, have more weight. They have more, more significance. But you see, the Greeks, when they would personify things, they would build these statues to kind of illustrate or, or, to, or to show what it would look like. And so the Greeks, for kairos, rather than old father time, Kairos was this young, handsome, athletic dude. I brought a picture for us this morning. There is Kairos personified. Don't you just want to tattoo that onto your arm, right? But notice that the Kairos had hair in the front. Do you notice that, right? It's kind of like a, a, a reverse mullet, if you will, right? And the hair is in the front and, the, and in bald on the back like this. And the reason for that is because the kairos moment, if you don't reach out and grab it in the front, then you miss it trying to grab it when it was already passed. When a kairos moment is presented to you, you have to grab it. You have to grab it. In the story, Jesus, the time had come. His kairos moment had presented itself. And Jesus tells them to go and make preparations. I remember the, the uh, day and the night that I met my wife, Crosby, who is here this morning, right here. Give her a round of applause, please. She asked me to do that. I'm just joking, right? But I remember. I remember, I remember the moment. I remember all of the details of the day. It was a Sunday and I was, later in that evening, I was going to a concert uh, with some friends of mine. I had, a, I had a friend that was a drummer for a country artist, and he was going to be in town. And so we were going to go to that. I was, on, I was serving on staff at the a church in Orange County. And my buddy that was going to um, be going with me had invited two other girls that were going to go with us. And I, and I said, why are you bringing two other girls to a country concert that's going to have other girls? 
A buddy of mine once told me, you don't bring sand to the beach. So let that sit for a second, right? And so I said, what are you doing? We're going to the country concert. It's like, we, we know the guy that's in the band. It's like, we don't need any help today, you know? Like, like we're going. But I, I did know that, uh, that uh, we, I was going to run into uh, Crosby because we had these mutual friends and um, we were going to all meet at this concert. She was living down here in San Diego. The concert was down in San Diego. Um, and, and we were, well, actually the story goes that my wife didn't know that she was going to be meeting me. That's the story. She thought she was going to a country show. Little did she know that Kairos was coming for her, right? (laughs) But we were heading that way. So we started in Orange County. And uh, uh, the, one of the guys in the band asked us to pick up somebody on the way, so we picked them up. And we got down there early, because the concert was later in, in the evening. Got down there early, and we're hanging out, hanging out with the band. I'm back, backstage with the band, like, this is awesome, having, you know, having a good time. They had a little set list. I went ahead and took, uh, I, I can't remember if I took a picture of the set list or just took it with me, you know, because that was going to be my line into anybody I talked to, right? Hey, do you want to know what the next song is? I got it right here, right? Check it out. And uh, so we get to the concert in the back hanging out. We didn't, I didn't even go out to watch the pre, pre-show uh, thing because uh, we're, you know, we're hanging out um, with everybody. And my buddy, who was kind of orchestrating this, setting this thing up, my buddy texted me and he said, bro, which always gets your attention, right? <laughs> bro, what are you doing? You're blowing it, is what he told me, right? And I was like, oh yeah. So so I, I get down there, I, I get down to the dance floor and, and, and go up and introduce myself. Hello, my name is Mike, right? And I said, do you want to know what the next song is on the set list, right? Got that. But I remember, I remember all of the details. I remember where I was at in, in my life. I remember all of these, all of these moments. I was, I was, honestly, I was over trying to be set up with somebody. I was over that. I just wanted to go and join my friends and have a good time, all that kind of stuff. But I, rep- I noticed that it was this Kairos moment. That I, I noticed that a girl like Crosby does not let you let that moment pass. She'll say, get in line if I don't make a move, right? And it was my moment. I had to grab it. What I believe is that we are in this season, we're in this time where, we, where a Kairos moment is presenting itself to us. Easter comes every year. Yes, Easter comes every year. We, we, we make our way to the church or we, we try to get a little bit more spiritual, all that kind of stuff. Whatever your motivation is, I don't care, but I want you to notice this, that this is a Kairos moment for your life. And just like in Jesus' story, as everything was, was building to this point, I think there have been some things building in your life as well. Does anybody ever feel, you don't have to raise your hand, but, but, but do you feel like maybe things have been building for a purpose or for a moment? You, you ever, does anybody, you don't have to raise your hands, but, but you feel like maybe this has been like a desert season for you. Where you've, been, where you've been wandering and you haven't maybe, you don't really necessarily know where you're going. You're just kind of going through the motions, but it feels like something is building inside of you. Or maybe you've been putting in a ton of work on, on, a, on a project or, or a relationship, and although you're not seeing anything happen, there's things building in you. I want you to hear this this morning. I believe that there's a Kairos moment on the horizon for you, that you're moving in that direction. But how do we get ready for it? 
How can you be ready for these moments, right? Because they often, they, they present themselves when we're not necessarily looking for them or paying attention to them. How do we prepare ourselves for that? Do you want to know? I can just end right here if you don't want to know, right? Do we want to know? Jesus tells us in the narrative. What did he tell Peter and John? He said, go and make preparations. Did you notice that? Jesus says, go and make preparations. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, get ready. Get ready. Turn to your other neighbor and say, for what? For what? In the story, this time had come. It said that, that the, day, the day came. And he tells Peter and John, and he says, go and make the preparations. Naturally, their response in verse 9, you can put this up for me. He says, where do you want us to prepare for it? He replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make your preparations there. Now, you got to love this story. You have to love this story. Can you, can you take, off of your, take off your lenses for a moment? Because you have to love this story, right? Essentially, what Jesus is telling him. Now, now the Passover feast, this time and this season. you got to understand, everybody was going to Jerusalem. All of the Israelites, all of the Jewish people would migrate back to the city of Jerusalem and they would get back with their families and they would get with their friends and they would make preparations for this big meal. It was like Thanksgiving. Does anybody love Thanksgiving? Right? We love Thanksgiving. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I got a couple of hands and some hand claps. There we go. Right? Come on, Lord. Bring the Thanksgiving. Yep. Right? But Thanksgiving. Think about Thanksgiving. Everybody goes home, right? You go back to where you're from, you get with your family, you get with your friends, and, all, and you make preparations, yes? Those that cook the food say yes, right? You make the preparations, you got to get the turkey, you got to get all the stuff, you got to make the invitations, you got to get everybody there. So what, basically what Jesus t- asks his disciples to do is that it is Thanksgiving Day, and he says, go and make the preparations. Everybody's already doing it. School's out, there's nowhere to go, and the disciples have to look at him and be like, uh, Jesus, could you, you're the son of God, right? Did you not see that Thanksgiving was on its way? Could you have not have given us a heads up on this one? And he says, listen, I got it all figured out. Go to the store, find the, find the teenager with a case of water on his shoulder, follow that teenager back to wherever they go. When they go into the house, go and ring the doorbell and then tell the owner of the house that the teacher is here and needs a room to use. Now, if anybody ever comes and knocks on your door with that request, what do you do? Uh, 911? <laughs> Crazy person at my door, right? You gotta love the story. You gotta love the irony in the story, but... There are three things that I want to pull out of here that I believe can help you be ready for these kairos moments in your life. Three things. The first one is this, is that you've, you've got to anticipate God's arrival. You've got to anticipate God's arrival. Look at this. They're in the story. It's what I call the prepared host, the prepared host. This prepared host, the owner of the house, was, was making all of the preparations for this big feast. He was doing all the things that needed to be done, made all the invitations, all the stuff that had to happen. 
person was busy but ready. They were busy but anticipated that God might show up. Now, why, why would this host be ready? Why would the host be ready? This is not in the passage, but this is what I believe. I believe at some point in this prepared host's life that Jesus had intersected their life. I don't know if it was in one of his teachings. Maybe he was a recipient of a miracle. Maybe, but somehow they were, they were close. And I think at some point Jesus told him, at some moment in your life, I'm gonna need you. At some moment in your life, I'm gonna call on you. At some moment in your life, I'm gonna need you to give this for me. But then nothing happened. Silence, right? Isn't that the way that God often operates in our own lives? That, that we come to a church service and we get all excited and, and, we, and we feel like God is moving in our hearts and our lives and, and, we're, and we're ready to, to do whatever it is that God asks us to do. And then silence. Nothing happens. But then all of a sudden, there's, a, there's an, an email that comes through. There's, there's a request that comes through. And, and the Holy Spirit reminds you of that moment. Do you remember that moment? This is your moment. And the host, even though was, was busy doing different things, when those disciples showed up, he was ready. Because he had anticipated God's arrival. This is what I believe. I believe that God wants to show up in your life. I believe, can you say amen for a second? Okay, I believe that God wants to show up in your life. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what you need. I don't know if you're wrestling with something. I don't know if there's, on the outside everything looks good, but on the inside there's a quiet desperation. What I do know from the scripture is that God wants to show up in your life. But I want you to hear this as well. The way that God often shows up in our lives is through other people. Did you notice that in the story, Jesus wasn't the first one to get to that door, was he? He had sent Peter and he had sent John. This is what I believe, because I think for some of us, we can get in this trap of looking for God, looking for God, looking for God. God, I'm seeking you. I'm praying. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. And the whole time, God is saying, I am here. It's just not what you're looking for. It's not who you're looking for. Now, back to that Kairos moment. Not only do I believe that we are in a Kairos moment, I believe that your friends, your coworkers, and your neighbors are also in this season where they are very, very open to what it is that you have received in your life. This Easter season, statistically, people are more open to an invitation to church than the rest of the year. The way that God often shows up in our life is through other people. But you got to anticipate God's arrival. The second thing is this. The second thing is this. Jesus tells them what to do. He tells them what they need to be, what needs to happen. And in verse 13, it's a short verse, but it has a great insight for us. It says this. It says, the disciples left. So, so Peter and John, they go. And they found things just as Jesus had told them. Let's say that together. They've left and they found things just as Jesus had told them. Let's say that part together. Just as Jesus had told them. That they, they, that they went and they found it exactly the way that Jesus had told them. So they prepared 
the Passover. Now, very quickly, the thing that pops to me, and this is what I'm, I'm, I'm titling the, the, the faithful follower, the faithful follower. Think about this. Jesus sent these disciples to a place they had never been before to accomplish something with people that they had never met. And yet, what'd they do? They did it. They went, right? They went and they did the thing and they found it exactly the way that Jesus had showed them, proving themselves faithful. Now, we're not going to get into this, but I want to highlight this. There's a contrast in the passage when you read the whole thing. Because I know that you're going to go home and I know that you're going to crack open Luke chapter 22 and you're going to read it for yourself. You're going to enjoy it for yourself. All oh, those nervous laughters. Come on, pastor, move past this point, right? But I want you to see this. They found it exactly the way that Jesus had showed them. And there's a contrast of characters in this passage between Peter and John. Peter and John, they go proving themselves faithful. But there's another character that we're not going to read about, but you've heard his name before. And his name is Judas. Has anybody ever heard the name Judas? Judas... So you have a contrast. You have some disciples that even though they didn't know what they were doing, even though they didn't know where they were going, there was a lot of uncertainty, they still followed through on what God was asking them to do, and they found everything the way that God had told them. And then you had Judas. And Judas is famous for what? Betraying Jesus. Now, it's easy to get kind of caught up in that. What I believe is that Jesus didn't trust God's process for his life. Judas expected something different than what God was doing. He got caught up in a different moment. And rather than trusting God, even though it's uncertain, even though he's not seeing what, what he needed to see or whatever it was, he exits too early and he ends up hanging himself. And there's a contrast in here. And this is what I want you to hear. Trust God's process for your life. Trust God's process for your life. I know, I realize that there are a lot of things that we would have done differently in our lives. Say yes, right? If you, were, if you were mapping out your life, would it look a little bit different than where you're at today? Say yes, right? Right? People would still be alive. You know, parents would still be alive. Relationships would still be there. Certain careers would have been pursued. Other careers would have, would have been left, right? We would have mapped it out differently, but for whatever reason, only God can do this. He ties these things together somehow because he has a process for your life. But you have to trust it. You have to trust God's process. When he sends you out to do something that you don't know how you're going to do it, you don't know with what resources you're going to do it, if you'll trust him, you'll find everything as Jesus had said. But you've got to trust that process. And then the third piece is this. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's number three. It's number three. And that is to remember that God has a mission for your life. To remember that God has a mission for your life. As Jesus got there and the preparations were made, it says in verse 14, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. Here we go. We're back. We're back at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you that I'm not going to eat this again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after he took the cup, 
He gave thanks, and he said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Have you ever heard any of that language before? Right? Anytime we have taken communion, you'll hear some of these some of these languages, but I want you to see something before we get to this moment, and that is the determined Jesus. The determined Jesus. You see, God had placed a call on his life, and he was determined to see it come unto completion. Somebody needs to hear this morning that God has a mission for your life. All of us have different callings. Say yes. All of us have different giftings. Say yes. But we have one mission. In Matthew chapter 28, he tells everybody, and this isn't just for pastors, this isn't just for super spiritual people, he tells everybody that would follow him, he says, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples, meaning that your life has a mission, it has a purpose. And if your mission is just to retire wealthy, or if your mission is just to, is just to retire and, and head to the beach, if your mission is just to, just to go back to Puerto Rico, although that's not a bad mission, right? Then, then you will miss what God has for your life. Remember, especially in this season, especially as I believe that God is, is orchestrating some Kairos moments for you personally, but also for the people that are in your life. Remember that God has a mission for your life. Mission for your life. So the application this morning, it's very straightforward. Go and make preparations. How, how, are, we, how are we in a position? How are, how are we ready? We go and we make preparations. Anticipate God's arrival. This week, would you pray and would you ask that God would make you more, more aware of maybe where he wants to show up in your life? Maybe, maybe it's through your work, through a relationship that you have, but would you pray and ask God to make you more aware of where he wants to show up in your life? Because here's the funny thing about God. He loves you. And those that love other people, you want to spend time with those people. The same is true. God, he wants to show up in your life. But what I see from the passage is that Jesus showed up to people that were ready to receive him. Anticipate the arrival. Trust the process. Trust the process. Somebody here needs to hear two words. Keep going. Keep going. Maybe you, you, made a, you made a decision to where you were going to follow Jesus a little bit closer. You made a, made a, a, a decision maybe back in the beginning of the year. Maybe, maybe it was months ago, years ago. You need to hear this. Even though you're not seeing the, the things being produced, trust God's process. Trust God's process. On a macro level, on a big level, what God is doing is that he is, he's preparing you for a life of eternity. On a big level, all of the stuff that we go through, if you read the scriptures and everybody went through stuff in their lives, it's because it was producing something in them. Paul noticed this and he, he noticed that the, that the trials that I endure, it's producing this like perseverance in my life. And I've noticed that perseverance is creating this hope in my life where anything that gets thrown at me, I can overcome because I know on a big level that God is preparing me for something 
Monday morning, but also on this micro level, right? On this micro level. What I believe is that, that God is, he, he puts these things together. He's able to take all the stuff from our past, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And he's able to like kind of bring it together. And, and if you'll trust him, kind of knit it together because he wants to be able to accomplish something in your life and with your life. But you gotta trust his process. And it, and it might come, it might happen tomorrow. It might happen in the last minute that you take a breath. But you've gotta trust his process for your life. Trust that. And then finally, remember God has a mission for you. I think the thing that ails Christians, I think the thing that ails, honestly, our culture is that we are so lost. And and culture presents this mission that we can live with our life, right? Whether it's just to live for myself or to pour myself into a nonprofit. But God, I think when we miss this part, it messes up the alignment in our life. Remember that God has a mission for your life. And that mission is not just about us. It's about them. It's about people that are not here. It's about the people in your life that are not connected to Jesus. Remember, the reason that we do this is because these are the moments that you don't want to miss. As much as we love those moments when babies take those first steps and when we nail an interview or we make a big sale, right? You don't want to miss those moments. This is the same is true in our lives of faith, that God presents these moments to us, but they're just like that kairos. We have to reach out and we have to grab it because we don't want to miss it this morning. As a, as a reminder, as a reminder of grabbing these moments. Jesus, I believe, he sat his, his disciples down at a table and, and they did not know what he was doing. When they went to the table, they weren't like, I know what's happening here. Jesus is instituting the Lord's Supper. They didn't know what he was doing. They just thought that they were having the Passover meal with, their, with, with Jesus. And then they thought, in just a few days, Jesus was gonna go and conquer Rome and we were gonna be back in power. But what he was doing was that he was he set up this meal that they would look back on as that was the moment. That was the moment. That the thing he accomplished on the cross, the thing that he did with his life, all these things that built to this moment where he was going to give his life for a ransom for many, and then three days later be raised up, all of that, it was, it was that moment. That was the moment. So this morning, we're going to come to the table. I'm going to invite you to take communion with us. And my hope is that it would be a reminder for you to grab the moment, to grab these moments when God presents them to you. So this is how it's going to